So we're giving ourselves, giving the body and the mind and the heart some time to land here. And remember not to try to, not to have to try to fit in or look like you think you're supposed to look landing here as a Buddhist meditator. But instead, make it more natural, more compassionate activity. You're just listening to the body, listening to your heart, and making adjustments, and you bring in the medicine that might be helpful so that we feel safe as we settle. We're willing to take care of ourselves. I'm not sure anything good happens without this foundational motivation that I'm really here now to take care of myself. I don't consider this selfish at all. It's probably, we could call it basic human common sense, that compassionate sense that I really here, I'm really here to take care of myself. And of course, that, that's going to allow us to take care of others. There's really no healthy way to skip that first step. You could call that self-compassion or self-love. But it's not really different from a more universal kind of love or compassion. It just means we're not neglecting this life right here, this tender heart right here. Feel the body, adjust if necessary, do what you need to do. And remind yourself in your own way that something like, I'm really here for you. We're in this together. I'm willing to do, willing to undertake whatever seems to lead to real ease, real freedom, kindness, and real understanding, the ability to be skillful in this messy, uncertain world that I live in. And many times during the retreat you might want to reconnect with this foundational intention, motivation to take care of this life, that I care about this life and I'm really committed. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm really committed to taking care of this life. And I'll learn, I'll figure it out through my mistakes and through my successes. 
I'll find the way toward greater ease, greater release, more pervasive qualities of kindness and compassion, less and less hate and self-righteousness and numbness. I'll find the way. So at any point, especially for those of you who are relatively new, you feel confused about some of the teachings or the routine of the retreat, just come back to that, your own authentic sense that I'm really here because I care about this life. I want to learn how to take care of this life better. And then by extension, all those loved ones in my life, and really all beings, to be a good model for well-being and ease and kindness and clarity in the world. So I'm here to learn, here to experiment, and in particular here to learn how to put down this ancient burden, this ancient neurotic burden of fear and restlessness and heaviness of heart. But we need to add then, and I don't know how to do this, which helps to make us better learners, more open. And as we continue to sit with some stillness, I'll just review the basic instructions that we'll be coming back to these next few days. So I've already covered the first, which is taking responsible, taking responsibility rather for feeling safe. And we just do the best we can. You know, some moments we won't feel safe, but We can even care about that not feeling safe, which will help. As if you're the wise grandmother holding the child. Honey, I know you don't feel safe. I wish I could make it go away. But I do care about how hard this is now. And the second basic instruction, basic training that we'll come back to over and over and over is this balance of relaxation and alertness. In a way, this is the basic attitude of Buddhist mindful awareness practice, this deepening valuing of relaxation and this deepening valuing of clarity or alertness. And they work together. The more the body and mind is relaxed, the easier it is to be clear and alert. 
the more clarity, the more alertness, the easier it is to relax because the mind is sensitive to how it's holding unnecessarily. So part of this training, like with relaxation, is just to find a kind, a non-judging way to remind yourself something like, honey, it's okay to relax. It's okay to soften. It's okay to put the armor, the defendedness down. Even if it means I feel more exposed, it's okay to relax. And you'll see how, of course, this relates to the first instruction of taking responsibility for a sense of safety. Just in our culture, we have been conditioned to like intensity and drama. So part of being on retreat and in general cultivating this path that the Buddha laid out for us is learning to value calm. But it's not a dead, flat kind of calm. The calmness, the serenity, the softness, the relaxation is in the service of being more real, being more connected, being able to feel what's here to feel. So it's a lot, this relaxation is a lot about landing in the moment, every moment, as many moments as possible. Honey, it's okay to relax. It's okay to put the burden down, even if you're going to pick it up again. It's okay in this moment to put down what can be put down. It's okay. I think you're going to be safe putting things down for a moment. I think it's okay to be undefended, to not pretend you're in control or should be in control or that you should know what's happening. It's okay to just relax, to value the calmness of putting things down, to value the settledness. And over time, this particular part of the practice to relax you start to feel internally, both in the heart and the body and mind, it will start to feel like a kind of stability or even solidity, sort of a funny word. But the calmness feels trustworthy, like, a, like the ground, for periods of time, like the ground of our heart, this settledness, this stability, this calmness. And so in the practice we call that having some momentum. Like when you do your practice with some sincerity, then there will be moments where you feel the momentum and it's expressed as a kind of inner stability. 
inner solidity, something that you really trust, this calm, this calm presence. Of course, over the years it really builds, but it's just going to be what it's going to be, this retreat. And even with a lot of years of practice, it still goes up and down depending on what's in motion in our lives, how much stress, what's been stirred up from ancient wounds that have come to the surface. So we never doubt the way that it is. A little bit more wild, a little bit more calm. We just do our best to work with it. And as I mentioned, the calm is in balance with the alertness, the brightness, the clarity, the interest and curiosity. This is the other half of the balance. Because calmness without the alertness, you can count on it going towards sleep and unconsciousness. It gets so pleasant, the calmness, it lulls the mind to sleep or at least into a trance-like state, if not completely asleep. So calm is very good, but it's not really useful unless it's in balance with alertness. So looking at your own heart and mind now, I'll just say a few words about that half of this mind state we call awareness or mindful awareness. wise attention, we call it sometimes. So one of the main ingredients of alertness or this interest is humility, knowing that we don't know. That is such a powerful and liberating quality to cultivate in your heart, in your mind, this deep trust in our experience that we know that we don't know. No matter how we conceive, how we think about what's going on, that story that we're telling ourselves is never actually the way it is. It's just an abstraction. So even if you are the world's expert on the Buddhist teachings, And you can very clearly articulate how the Buddha describes the nature of the mind. That articulation is not the way that it is. Teachers describe that as the difference between the menu and eating the meal. So interest is always in terms of opening to the way that it is. It's always a mystery because it's not about the concept or what the mind tells itself it's opening to. So it's, in a sense, not defined by language. There may be thoughts there in the periphery in the mind, of course, It's the habit of the mind to talk to itself. Don't turn that into a problem. Instead, get interested, become curious, be willing to be open 
to the conditions, the changing conditions themselves and that they're being known. It's really the mystery that's right here. This is being known. Not afraid to allow the conditions of the moment, that particular experience to express itself, to have it stay in the sunshine of attention, of wise presence. Oh yeah, it's like this. This is moving, this is being felt, this is being seen here in the moment. It's like this now. Can this be okay? So this is what is meant by being alert. It's not about looking or trying to see. It's the trying, the looking, the over-efforting that is a common problem for meditators. It's totally understandable because we want to do a good job. We've been rewarded in the past for trying hard. But here, efforting is very subtle. It's really the effort to remember these instructions to be safe, to do your best, to be safe, to feel safe, to value relaxation, and to value alertness or interest, a non-conceptual interest. And to bring those two qualities of relaxation and alertness into balance as best you can. So then the final instruction, so we have three again. Safety, the balance of relaxation and alertness, which is what we call this sustained mindful awareness. It really is the balance of relaxation and alertness in an ongoing way, of course, as best we can. And the last bit is, you could say, the wisdom piece. We get these pointing out instructions from the Buddha and all of our lineage of teachers before us who've practiced as best they could, passed on what they've learned. Now we're the recipients here. And the distillation of what all of our spiritual ancestors are telling us that we can hear intellectually so that we can then begin to use it to reflect on it and then to let it transform our experience. Basically what they're telling us as a pointing out is to practice seeing this experience or any experience as a natural process. Normally we frame everything that we're experiencing in terms of me or mine. We frame it as something that refers back to me. We frame it in terms of self-centeredness. And that's just a chronic habit. It's not neither, it's neither bad nor good. It's just the way it is. The mind's been conditioned this way and that's okay. So we'll notice that self-centered conditioning all the time. It's a real positive step when we see it more and more. 
notice that it's always stressful, even if it's subtle. And then remember the pointing out instructions, that everything, even neurotic activity, is just a natural process. It's just the natural unfolding of whatever causes and conditions are in play now, in this moment. So in the sense, in the sense it couldn't be otherwise, given what's in motion, this moment, my internal experience in this moment, or externally what's happening. It's this natural process of causes and conditions. And subjectively, what that looks like for me in any moment is something being known. That's what we mean as a natural process. The fact that this experience right now is being known, how it's being known, what is being known, that moment of contact is just a natural process conditioning the next moment this is being known, this experience is being felt. So even the thing that seems most personal, like this is happening to me, I'm experiencing this, we're learning how to see that as a natural process. But that doesn't mean we're dismissing it, or getting tight about it, or anything. We're just Realizing that that frame, seeing it as a natural process, makes more sense. It fits the experience better, actually, than the habit of taking it personally and reacting to it because it's personal. Ignoring what's neutral, wanting to hold on to what's pleasant, running away or destroying what's unpleasant. These are the more common reactions when we're framing things as self, self-centered. So that you can commit these four or these three instructions to memory. We'll just take maybe four, five minutes of silence and just reflect on safety, reflect on the balance of relaxation and alertness, and reflect on the pointing out instruction. This is a natural process, just something being known, something being known, something being felt, is a natural process. Doesn't need to be framed in terms of me or mine. That can be abandoned. So let's continue in silence for a while.
So one last time together, let's both think and reflect on these three instructions. So starting with safety and this deep wish to take care of this life right here and how that wish, that compassionate wish to take care of myself or to take care of this life, it comes with a sense of safety. I care about this life. I'm going to take care of this life as best I can. And notice the feeling of safety. Really appreciate the goodness of that sense of being safe, of being in this room with nice folks, a very generous and beautiful container that uh, Madison Insight leaders and Julie, our manager, have brought together here at Holy Wisdom, this beautiful retreat center that many folks have brought into being, that we get to take advantage of being up here together. Beautiful natural setting. Just let the sense of safety land in our hearts, however it is for us. And the two qualities of mindful awareness, relaxation, and alertness. So again, just thinking and reflecting directly in your experience. This value of putting the weight, putting the burden down, relaxing. Honey, it's okay to relax. It's okay to soften habits of gripping and tensing. It's okay to let life move, whatever that might be like. And it's such a beautiful thing to be interested, to be willing to be intimate, to be willing to feel what's here to feel. And this interest, this alertness, really comes out of a sense of awe or humility. Wow, it's like this now. This is what's moving. This is what's coming and going. This is what's unfolding here as sensation, as thought, emotion, all the strands of what's moving. Relaxation and alertness, see how they can come together. It's really the coming together of these two things that we call samadhi, for those of you who know that term. You can also call that a beautiful mind, or a mind that can see things as they are. And then finally, bringing the wisdom instructions, the pointing out instructions from the Buddha. This is a changing natural process, this subjective experience right here. Of course, it appears to be personal, and that's okay, because that's 
how the mind has been conditioned. But even that habit of taking things personally is part of a natural process. It can be seen as such. And we notice how light, how much more freedom there is when we see the movement of sensation and the movement of thought and the movement of anything as a natural process arising out of many different causes and conditions. It allows the heart to relax in a much deeper way, this pointing out instruction. Adjust your body so you feel comfortable. Those of you who have memorized the instructions can leave now. (laughs) The rest of us, (laughs) no. This is uh, one of the useful things about these retreats, and this is especially true because there are a lot of experienced practitioners in the group, um, is to have a real sense of the vastness of the practice and uh, like being grateful for the path instead of being fixated on the end of the path because you can bet whatever that fixation in it is it's just a construction of the thinking mind and in that sense it's not that helpful what's helpful like when we do imagine hear stories or imagine freedom or whatever word you'd like release, unconditional love, you know, whatever aspirational word or phrase, its value is kind of a a producer of energy, right? When we get inspired by that idea of being free. And then we use that energy to show up in our life and to practice in the next moment. And so the practice is really these three instructions of safety and the balance of relaxation and interest and bringing in wisdom instructions. Now, the wisdom instructions come in a lot of different forms and you might already be chewing on some particular little pointing out instruction from the Buddha or from one of your teachers and that's fine. But it's it's like because of the stability we create with safety and bringing the mind, the heart into balance with alertness, interest, and relaxation, then the mind, the heart is in a really good place to take a fresh look. And to take a fresh look, we need that input, something like a different view. Otherwise, like a good friend of mine used to say, We always do what we've always done and we always get what we've always gotten because we bring the same attitude in and so we don't transform 
And so regardless of the Buddhist lineage you might practice in, there's always going to be uh, an emphasis. You don't, we don't need a lot of information. We don't need 40 volumes, like that's I think how many. If you look at all the discourses in early Buddhism of the Buddha, you know, it's about 40 volumes. It's a, it's like a bookshelf, like about that wide, the translation. And, uh, and there's a lot of repetition in that, of course. But anyway, it's still a lot, but we don't need a lot. We just need some seeds that challenge the habits, you know, the way that we habitually frame our experience. And that's all. We just need these instructions. So you're going to think during these two and a half days, of course, if you're going to think, think about these things, <laughs> you know, these three or four things, depending on how you divide it up. Right? So we have the balance of alertness and relaxation. You can think about that because it's a setup for then checking directly in your experience. So there's sort of these thinking about these three or four things will be a bridge to your present moment experiencing, a really useful bridge. So if you're thinking more at the wisdom end, is this self? Is this me? Or is it just something being known? Something being known. And that something being known, can you stop that basic subjective experience we're all having right now, which is something, this experience is being known. Can you stop that? If it was you or yours, you could stop that. But it just keeps happening. Something is being known. Something is being known. Like I said, it could be could feel very personal. It often does. But that's just something being known, too. Oh, I just want this to be done. Well, that's something being known. No, I'm going to leave. That's something being done. It's being known. So it never really changes. And so we can... It's not inconceivable to, to train our heart, our mind, to see that as, yeah, that's just a natural process. It's just happening because of, who knows, many... A lot of them are unknowable, but many causes and conditions have led to this, what we call me here, or this subjective experience of being a human being. And it's just a question of what our mind, because of culture and habit, is going to make up about that, project about that, or not. Right? And so we have our spiritual elders, and they're saying, you know, when you really... I mean, they're not even telling us what is the absolute truth. They're basically telling us something more pragmatic. You know what? it really helps to see it as a natural process. You will become a better human being if you train your mind from a place of feeling safe and having alertness and relaxation somewhat in balance. You will find that if you train your mind to experience your life, however personal or impersonal the experience or dramatic or subtle the experience is, to train your mind to see it as a natural process. You will become a more engaged, lighter, freer, kinder, skillful human being. So that's something that gets my attention. Like, I want to check that out. Is that true? It's not about believing that it's true, but it's like, I want to check that out. And that's why we're here. And then the last thing I I want to say before passing it on to Julie, the manager, is that, uh, like I said in the instructions, the safety is a big deal in practice. Because when we're not safe, 
when we're not safe, we're basically like our animal brothers and sisters, right? We just want safety. We want to survive. So that those survival instincts kick in when we're not feeling safe. And uh, the folks at Madison Insight, you know, they've been organizing these residential and non-residential retreats for a long time. And they're also part of a lineage of other folks organizing retreats for a long time. So this container is really sweet, but it's not perfect, right? Because it's not perfectly designed for one of you, right? It's kind of designed generally for all of us which means it's never going to be perfectly designed for me in any moment. It's always going to feel a little off, you know. People seem to be walking around like zombies, or the tea, your favorite tea isn't there, or where's the sunshine, or, you know, there's always wisest person moving next to me. There's always reasons to imagine it's not good enough. And so I just want to begin by saying we appreciate that it's not perfect, the retreat container. We ask folks to do the best they can or to leave Julie or me a note if if you think there's something we can do that might uh, support your retreat experience. But it's it actually can break our heart in a good way that our retreats are limited. Because it's a teaching, you know, and one of the things we'll dig into in the afternoon talks today and tomorrow are the Buddhist teachings on dukkha or suffering. But he didn't just teach about suffering, he taught about suffering and the end of suffering, right? And the realizing, understanding the ending, the releasing of suffering has to do with learning how to be intimate with suffering. There's no bypass. Oh yeah, there's suffering, so let's go the other direction. No, there's suffering, let's, let's get interested. What is this? It's the not or the misunderstanding of suffering that turns out to be the cause for it. So in any little or big ways that the retreat container or your own mind and body bother you, then see that as one of your teachers. Because it's like, like that humility that I mentioned around interest, it would be really important. What, am I, what have I not seen in this particular irritation that's bugging me right now? Maybe it seems like you've seen it a thousand times, and maybe you have. But the only thing that's really of interest is what haven't I yet seen about this phenomena? Because of the idea that I know this already, I keep missing experiencing something that's here and now. What's here and now but hasn't been clearly, intimately experienced? So that's that humility, that uh, interest. That's what we mean by interest or alertness. It's not like me trying, me penetrating the truth. That's sort of more masculine, assertive. It's a shadow in practice. I'm going to really see. It's really letting... The irritant, let's, you know, because it could be joy, it doesn't have to be an irritant, but that's just the example I'm using right now. Letting the irritant reveal itself from this place of being undefended, from this place of actually being interested. What is this as a present moment phenomenon? My body, my heart, feeling hard in the 
mind, what is this? Is it dangerous? Does it require being defended in any way? What happens if I just allow it to move or allow it to do its thing? Allow it to have, make its impression on the sensitive heart. Am I willing to do that? What happens? Like that's the, the interest. So I'll pass it on to Julie, our wonderful manager, who's done many of these retreats before to kind of walk us through some of the details.